Hello and welcome back to Curiously Polar, the show about all things very north and very south. And yes, we are still very south because I have Henry with me, who's very south. Hi, Henry. <laughs> Hi, Chris. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Again, you are you are still at the at the the southernmost tip um, of of any place uh, before it before you end up in Antarctica. You're in, Ush in Ushuaia. In Argentina, so indeed, uh, taking a break between two journeys, and um, I'm so happy that you that you have the time that you can take the time to to talk to us here in the podcast. I know there's a dedicated listenership out there who uh, who enjoy every week, and uh, so thanks for making this possible. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that we are able to make that possible, and that's um, due to technology. I'm, I'm really glad that we have the um, Wi-Fi connection stable enough to do that. That um, uh, found a place that's calm enough to do a recording, and that we found the time together. So yes, it's, here not, I am. it's not not always easy when you travel, but uh, yeah, this seems to work out quite well. So um, okay, so today uh, we have another topic that is near and dear to your heart. Um, you are very deep into ice into glaciers and um today we want to talk about something that has to do with glaciers or with glaciers that aren't glaciers anymore T tell us a bit more uh, i would love to talk about um about an area in antarctica which is um uh, yeah threatened to the changes in, in our global climate and that's the west antarctic ice sheet so when, when we um, see Antarctica in front of us, then we see that there is a, um, a bigger piece of Antarctica, which is called East Antarctica, which is on the eastern side um, and the western part, um, West Antarctica, both divided by the Transantarctic Mountains in the middle, like the longest mountain range in the world. And we have two um, your significant differences in the um in the stabilities of those two large pieces the much much bigger east antarctic ice sheet is much more stable because it's laying on um solid bedrock and the bedrock is above sea level so the glaciers are only touching the sea on the periphery of the ice sheet while the west antarctic ice sheet um bedrock lies mainly under sea level so that means that the the surface of attack possibilities of um, the ocean is much much bigger, and in there lies the the big um, yeah the big danger the big threat we have uh, we face right now because in especially in the Amundsen Sea we have um, very deep trenches in the topography and the barometry uh, of um, the bedrock there and. By that, the ocean water, which is significantly warmer than the ice, um, attacks the ice and has chances to reach much, much further. And um, currently, there is a, a new research by the um, so-called Thwaites Glacier, um, International Thwaites Glacier Collaboration. It's a group of scientists from all over the world are researching the biggest glacier in the Amundsen Sea, uh, Thwaites Glacier, and they came back with alarming data, with um, some oh. in 
okay. some 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 insights that are really disturbing. So what have they found? They drilled a lot of holes into the ice, um, not very deep, six hundred meters, not very deep compared to like the deepest ice cores um, possible in Antarctica, and um, they collected data in. Um, so-called uh, sub-zero uh, weather, which means that the conditions have been typically under Antarctic. And they figured that the water underneath the glacier is um, two degrees warmer than it should be, two degrees above the um, freezing point of water. And if we remember, the freezing point of seawater is around minus 1.7, minus 1. degrees Celsius, which means that the the water on a on a, on a certain th- thickness has a constant uh, temperature of minus 1.7 minus 1.8 and has a possibility to freeze despite the amount of salt in there because the salt is like a natural antifreeze but at that temperature the salt settles the sea gets much thicker and starts freezing over and then Piece by piece, the soul is released through the ice, making it over years, um, turning the ice from um, salt water ice into freshwater ice. And when the water is warmer than that freezing point, that means that there is no sea ice in front of the glaciers anymore. That's one thing. But it also means that the, the water is significantly warmer than the ice of the glacier, and that exhilarates the melting of the glacier. So let me let, let me just uh, lo- let, let's just let's just take this uh, apart um, from a, from a scientific point of view. You say the the temperature of the water under the ice is two degrees warmer than it should be, and what do they base that on? What is the baseline here, and where does that come from? The baseline are um, ocean currents. So we have a set of different currents around Antarctica. The the biggest and yeah, probably best known is the Antarctic Circumpolar Current, which is like the okay. the strongest stream, uh, strongest flow of water uh, in the world. That's something we could tackle in a um, separate episode because it's a, it's a lot of information in here. Um, it's a, a very fascinating. Um, ocean current we have here it's um, combining the ocean currents of all major oceans but it's also cutting off antarctica from um, the climate systems of the rest of the world making it like the, the the freezer of this planet at the same time we have a counterclockwise coastal current which is um, uh, we are close to the coasts of antarctica and that leads to the fact even though that the um, big um, circumpolar current is going from west to east around Antarctica, if an iceberg would break off an ice shelf, it's usually going the other way around because it's stuck in the coastal currents and the coastal currents are from east to west. So they are uh, counterclockwise. And, And those two major systems are exchanging water. Um, the, The Antarctic cold water which is almost a brine. It's um, very, very dense, very salty, very cold. And that um, sinks down, pushing warmer waters to the surface. And all of that together um, creates a big exchange. That big exchange of, um, of, of different temperate waters leads to a, a big 
wildlife abundance in that area because we have um, a lot of marine sediments, a lot of phytoplankton, um, which is upvalued and uh, krill feeding on that and everything else around krill is feeding on krill, of course. But at the same time, that mechanism also brings warmer water to the surface closer to where the glaciers are are based. And when you have an area like in the Amundsen Sea, where you have those deep canyons, underwater canyons filled with ice, that means that a big portion of the ocean that reaches that ice, which fills those deep underwater canyons, is attacking with much, much warmer temperatures than it used to. Okay, so what kind of uh, effect will that have on those glaciers? It has a very um, dangerous effect, and um, we can look at that from from um, a visual perspective. When you have um, an underwater canyon that does not have an even bedrock topography, then you have some deeper trenches and some shallower ones. And the shallower ones, um, which we could refer to as kind of a sandbank, um, imagine a sandbank in, in the ocean, um, that is a, a part where those glaciers are grounded, where they're resting on. So they those um, shallows are holding back the glacier. So the glacier is flowing down from the Transantarctic Mountains from a very high elevation, and the sheer amount of the weight of the ice in the mountains is just pushing it downhill. It pushes towards the ocean. Right. So, so we're we're pretty much talking about basic friction here. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, when we have the, the 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 shallow, the shallow is holding that back. So it creates a big friction there to hold the glacier back, not flowing down uh, entirely. Which is into a the good ocean, thing, right? Which is a good thing. But now comes the uh, warmer ocean currents. Uh, the warmer surface currents, and they are attacking the glacier at its grounding line. So at that narrow part where the glacier is sitting on that bedrock is attacked by the warmer waters, and once the glacier loses that that contact to the grounding line, that releases a huge speed, and that would lead to uh, a big acceleration in the velocity in the speed of flow of that glacier meaning it's draining lots more ice into the ocean than could regenerate in the mountains so they have now measured the warmer water that they didn't expect or that should be colder uh, is that effect that you just talked to the the speeding up of the flow is that already measurable or is that something that is expected to be a result of what they it's, measured. It's already measurable. There are um, amazing um, satellite pictures of um, the velocity of both the Thwaites Glacier and its neighboring Pine Island Glacier uh, from NASA, which we will uh, implement in the show notes. Um, you can see how the speed of both glacier flows has changed in the past 30 years and how much both glaciers accelerate recently. Um, on different levels, though, because the topography of both Pine Island Glacier and Thwaites Glacier is slightly different, but they have the same effect. And um, we can measure that already. And the uh, forecast for that is, um, is, is scary. 
when we see the the whole amount of ice in there um which could be released released by Thwaites Glacier, which has slightly the size of Florida, then we talk about um a significant measurable sea level rise of about about sixty five centimeters, which is slightly more Holy than half a meter. Cow. Just this one glacier. Okay, dokey. So um are there any uh any scientific um extrapolations on how fast this is going to happen? Yeah, there indeed are. Um we're talking about um a maximum of a century for for the total collapse of, of that particular glacier. And what is even worse is that this glacier or the both glacier systems, Thwaites and Pine Island glaciers, they are kind of <clears throat> what's considered to be the threshold of the West Antarctic ice sheet. So once those two are starting to collapse, um, the vast majority of the West Antarctic ice sheet is due to collapse. And that's just uh, one of those turning points scientists are talking about um, when we talk about the change in um, the climate of Antarctica. And that's it's the like, scary it's part a bit like of that. It's dominoes findings. falling, right? It is, definitely, yes. It is. Yeah. And the and the the, the century as a as a rough number here. Well, my my gut feeling is that in the past they have often underestimated how fast things can move, especially when it's over a turning point. So I wouldn't bank on that to be uh, something that only the next few generations will will be confronted with. Yeah, usually usually scientists are rather conservative with their um, estimates. So yeah, that's definitely something um, we we should keep an eye on. In the past, um, yeah, a few centuries. All right, that's a that's that's good news. Ha <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> ironically. Um, so, uh, what are you up to next when uh, when we finish the recording session today? What's what's your next um, goal? Where will you go next? Um, I will embark on a new vessel for the company I'm working for, uh, which is called World Explorer. It's a brand new ship. It just got into service uh, last summer, last Arctic summer. And um, it has its first Antarctic season. So I'm, I'm um, really curious how the operations work on that ship, how things are thought through or not thought through, um, how the team is coping with all those new uh, developments. And uh, we will embark on a, a very intense month because we actually are heading towards the peninsula empty, just with staff and crew on it. And then uh, our guests are flying in from uh, the Shalinian part, from uh, Punta Arenas, to a landing strip in King George Island, which is part of the South Shetlands, in South Shetland Islands on the uh, Antarctic Peninsula. They are flying the Drake, so they're skipping four days of sailing, two days in and two days out. Um, Oh, no, no drag passage for them. No drag passage for them. And uh, then we have five expedition days with those guests. Very intense. Um, two landings a day, sometimes three. And then they're flying out and we're getting in the next bunch of passengers. So there's basically um, no uh, resting time for us. It's a back-to-back -back trip. And that's the entire month of uh, February. That's pretty intense. And um, after that, we are heading back to South Georgia, which is um yeah it become uh, has become one of my most favorite places on this planet it's a pretty amazing place and i'm pretty sure we're going to talk about this soon 
So when you are on the expedition um, with with the guests, are they going to be able to, or are you going to be able to show them some of those climate change results um, so they can see that with their own eyes? Is that something you will be close to? Yes and no. So in the in the first place, when um, when we arrive from the peninsula, the peninsula is a slightly different environment than uh, the Western Arctic ice sheet, and the Western Arctic ice sheet is a huge difference from the East Antarctic ice sheet. Um, in in the peninsula, we have more an alpine environment. We have big mountains. We have alpine type glaciers on the mountains. We don't have big ice sheets, and the abundance of ice we see in the first place is mind-blowing for most guests and um, it's hard to explain them how that used to look like 10 years ago um, how big the change has been in the past 10 years but um, luckily we have our very experienced staff on board which is coming down for 10 20 30 years already to Antarctica and they have taken pictures and just Putting those pictures up up on a wall and just showing those places how they looked like um, just a few years ago is definitely doing a live point. comparison, pretty much. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, definitely. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Henry, thanks for bringing us this information. May it be as dire as it sounds, but uh, yeah, I wish you good luck for for your endeavors and thanks for taking the time to record. Um, we will be next week. Before that, of course, if you want to see other or listen to other episodes that we've talked about follow the links in the show notes and do a bit of your own research uh, you can always do that on curiouslypolar.com we're also on twitter at curiouslypolar if you want to get interactive with us ask questions suggest topics we're always open for that so again that's curiouslypolar on twitter and also on instagram and with that thanks for listening and we'll be back in a week until then take care